Welcome to Biblical Perspectives brought to you by the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ. Join your host, Father Dr. Tom Roberts, for discussions about the Bible and related conversations about theology, spirituality, and more. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. I'm your host, Father Dr. Tom Roberts. Today, we're going to be discussing the doctrine or the subject of ecumenism. You say, Doc, why in the world would you choose that subject? It's taken various forms since Vatican II in 1962, but it certainly has its precursors before World War II that extends from the 1920s, the 1930s. Now, what do we mean to be ecumenical? Now, it comes from the great councils, the original term for the Nicene Council, the council at Constantinople, the second council held at Constantinople, because the term originally applied to bringing the Christian church together along common lines of doctrine to decide what was indeed orthodoxy. Now, in recent decades of the late 20th century, there was a great move to bring the Christian church together. So the World Council of Churches was established. This church body was absolutely ridiculed by her fundamentalist counterparts who have always viewed the papacy since the early 1500s, uh, just prior to the Reformation, as being the Antichrist system. When you read Prophetic Faith by L. E. Froome, you have about 2,000 years of prophetic interpretation in his marvelous volumes. He comes from the Seventh-day Adventist tradition, and you may or may not agree with where Dr. Froome ended up with his conclusions about ecumenism and prophetic faith of our fathers, meaning the biblical fathers, but you will love to appreciate the volumes of work that he has brought forward in his life to tell us what these prophetic and interpretive schools were all about. It's a great compendium for that purpose. And one of the things he makes absolutely clear 
is the participants in the Protestant Reformation blamed everything prophetically on the papacy. And of course, there were those who taught for 1260 years, which is an incorrect historical figure, that the papacy would rule Western Europe. And they would come up with 554 and end up in about the year 1800. But they wouldn't deal honestly with the idea that the papacy would wax and wane for even centuries during this period from Justinian to virtually Napoleon. Now, is everything in ecumenistic studies good? Like most things, there's a good side and there's a bad side to it. If we come together just to make the gospel of none effect and to give equality to every spiritual tradition out there and to even say it's Christian or that Christ is just another object of worship on the mantelpiece, then I have some real trouble with ecumenism on that point. If we allow religious traditions to be represented for who they are so that we can learn from one another about those traditions so we can properly and with proper etiquette and interpretation learn what they are really saying to us because, as Sam Houston has said, you may grow up Buddhist and become a Christian, but you will always have to go through your mother religion's filters in your life. And that is true. Father Tom can tell you this, that with decades of seminary training. I will always have to work through the filters that I had in my early Sabbatarian experiences. And I honor those. And I give them a great deal of credit for bringing Old and New Testaments into more of a unity instead of well, we had the God of the Old Testament and we had a different God in the New Testament like Marcion prescribed for the Christian church as the canon formation of the New Testament was being developed. Now, one of the interesting things about ecumenistic studies, G.K. Chesterton put it this way, if you don't know what others believe, then you 
don't understand your beliefs either. Why would that be true? Because you don't know how your beliefs interact and have intersections with those of others. Now, this does not mean that Christians believe the same thing as Buddhists. does not mean that Jews have the same outlook on scripture that a Muslim would have, nor vice versa. It does mean we do have things to share with one another to better understand our human religious travels. That is a good side of ecumenism. Now, there's a bad reaction to the World Council of Churches that has existed for many years since her formation. Many fundamentalist writers such as Hal Lindsey and scores of others have said there would be an Antichrist who would rise up out of a revived Roman Empire of ten nations, which was to be the common market, and one of its early founders was Franz Josef Strauss. Because France was on the far right, people felt like it would be a, a revival of Roman Nazism, and therefore a Roman dictator would appear, and of course the papacy would rise up and try to bring the Orthodox and all Christianity under its wing. Well, has that really shaped up? I don't think so. Number one, there's more than 27 nations in the common market. And number two, a Roman dictator did not appear within the 11 years predicted by the late great planet Earth's writer back in 1970 and 71. So we just keep rewriting these scenarios until actually something happens where we create new ones. And the prophetic writers such as Perry Stone and others today just keep doing the same thing over and over, making suckers out of believers in every generation. We need to see ecumenistic studies like we would see, in my opinion, world religions. Today, even in the universities, there's a great amount of emphasis on world religious studies from the point of view of spiritual development uh, to the point of view of their sacred text. The Provo-based study group called the Maxwell Institute has a worldwide textual project that they are underway 
with at present, which is to preserve all known religious text and to print them with responsible scholarship so scholars, laymen, pastors, and other religious leaders and professors can utilize those documents so they can know what the Bhagavad Gita actually says, so they can understand through this text initiative what the people in the faith traditions actually mean. Christians don't understand each other very well. Fundamentalists do not really try very hard to understand their liberal counterparts. Likewise, many liberals feel that conservatives are outdated, uneducated, and that's simply not always the case. The liberals are not always the most enlightened. Depends on the subject matter. Depends on what your point of view is about enlightened thinking. I believe that liberals and conservatives have enlightenment with all humanity on different subject matter. Some of the greatest scriptural exegetes, and that means interpreters, in biblical and church history, which biblical would be the Old Testament, church history would be Christianity in this common era, many of the greatest New Testament exegetes had been conservative-leaning people, even in Germany, such as Kyle and Dalich, for a conservative German reaction, has provided us with a wealth of this day from 1870 to now, a marvelous commentary readings from Judaism as well as Christianity herself. And we could go on and on and on where both liberals and conservatives have added a lot. There was a wonderful book. It was called Merging a New Middle in the 1980s that was calling for conservatives and liberals to unite around Christian fundamentalist approaches from history. Did you hear that? Not modern religious fundamentalism from a political geo-religious perspective that we now fight that has been in existence since the neocons and the moral majority rose up in the United States. But when you say the term in European scholarship, such as conservative, it means historical. So when you read the great Lutheran scholar Helmut 
Talinki and you're a Lutheran, he's just asking the question whether or not we are still in the historical veins of Christian thinking, but he's still open to form criticism. He's still open to the modern approaches to biblical study. So can we see just how ineffective sometimes the labels really are? Because many things that start out liberal or what we might call on the left progressive part of the spectrum, as they like to be called now, ends up in the historical rotor bend of orthodox thinking, if you just give it time. When Karl Barth first wrote his commentary on Romans and his commentary on Christian dogmatics, which is a systematic theology, a lot of people drew back and just, whoo, you know, where's this guy coming from with all this natural theological talk? Well, now Barth is practically taken for granted 60 years later. So when you study systematics, you have to react to Barth's dogmatics. The idea that Rudolf Bultmann actually uh, promoted uh, about Gnostic influences on the New Testament and the New Testament being written with riddles that actually got the liberals with the conservatives in so much trouble. Today, we can parse Boltman a lot better in academic circles and say what he said right about John's gospel and what his theories actually lack. Because with the finds of the Nagumadi text in the land of Egypt, we can now see what sects of the Gnostics actually believe. With today's New Testament studies, we know there were many more groups than one group of Pharisees. There could have been as many as ten. And we think we can identify some of those in our New Testament gospel arrangement. What does all of this mean? The conservatives will sometimes look for deception on the part of the World Council of Churches, yet the World Council of Churches have actually worked in recent years by keeping some non-Chalcedon and non-traditional type of Christian churches out of the fray uh, because when they put an application in, they couldn't affirm everything that the World 
Council of Churches wanted them to affirm. And that type of activity does not really get much news reports about those incidents, but things that are said against the World Council of Churches get a lot of press. This is Father Dr. Tom Roberts. I'll be back right after this message. Looking for an affordable online school that offers biblical, theological, and liturgical education to prepare you for social justice and ministry? St. Anthony's Liturgical House of Studies has the solution. Visit stanthonysliturgicalhouse.org for a current listing of programs and courses and to register today. How well do you think you do in interpreting the faith of others. I did a program several months ago entitled, Are You a Spiritual Bigot? Most people do not understand their own faith, let alone the faith of others. It is essential that when missionaries come to your door from the LDS Church or the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society called the Jehovah's Witnesses, that you read their material for yourself and you do your own historical check about the claims that they make so you can talk to them much more effectively. Many people have tried to tell me what I believe as a ecumenical Catholic priest. But you know what? Most of the time, they're wrong. And we all know that faiths look differently to other communities. When you look at them from the outside versus from a membership perspective, from the inside, because the conversation is different. I have a lot of good times at Brigham Young University discussing things with my LDS counterparts, and even in the local front here in my little town of Weezer, Idaho, fellowshipping with everyone from fundamentalists to liberals to the LDS Church. And you know, no one has a complete understanding about any subject, number one. No matter how great our scholarly training is, all of us lack in understanding the faiths of others that we have not encountered. Number two, you always have something to learn from anyone. That goes for me. That goes for my audience as well. Now, the value of that information, we can debate until the cows come home. But when we look at human experience, 
Why do we want to judge people who are trying to do right? Are we not trying to do the same? And Carol Makita of KSL Radio, Salt Lake City, who's a wonderful LDS sister, says this, Won't we also find out the things we have in common? For the more we look at our common human experience, can we find similar points of growth? And I think Carol is absolutely correct there. We may not start in the same places, but can't we call on the great truth reservoir of the universe that some of us call God? to move forward in this quest? If you don't think so, well, then what's the discussion about? I had an atheist one time at a professional conference tell me that he didn't believe in any absolutes or that there were any reason to quest for faith. And I simply said, well, then, brother, what's the conversation about then? Why are you talking to an ecumenical Catholic father about these things if there's no point to the conversation? He didn't have much to say after that, other than it's just fun to quest. Well, I think we need to take it a bit more serious than that. We don't want to be a religious hobbyist who's always asking questions and never able to come into the knowledge of the truth. The truth is, God knows we are all in various stages of progression towards him, unless we have those who simply don't care and will never want God's eternal purpose in their life. But when it comes to those who are pursuing God, like the old country song used to say by Don Williams, he knows who does and who doesn't care. The book of Ephesians expresses it this way in the New Testament. Only God knows those whom are his. I hope and pray, and I'm sure most of you in my audience know that you are beloved of God, and I hope most of you feel that you are of him from the inside out of the making of your spirit and personality. This puts us on a common footing with all of humanity. I'm so tired of people in religion conveying the message that they've got a leg up on everyone else. Now, I'm sure you don't do that, but many, many people do. Over divisive doctrines that may or may not even be biblical, such as going to hell forever, a rapture, certain things like that that are taught up one side and down 
of the religious spectrum today really need to be questioned by the masses. But you can't just take away from teaching. You've got to put the wonderful gospel in its place that God wants to live in his people and lead us back to himself in the new Eden. Let's pursue that and let's understand others along the way is my prayer. This is Father Tom saying thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's Biblical Perspectives program. Tune in to the program next Thursday on WBCQ as Father Dr. Tom Roberts continues his discussion about the biblical-related topics. For more information about Biblical Perspectives and the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ, visit ecumenicalcccc.org. If you happen to be in the Los Angeles or Detroit areas, please be sure to visit the Cathedral of the Archangels and Seraphim Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ and the Cathedral of St. Anthony. To leave a comment, to support the program, or to learn more about Biblical Perspectives, St. Anthony's Cathedral of Liturgical House of Studies, and their sponsor, the Ecumenical Catholic Church of Christ, visit ecumenicalccc.org. This show, in cooperation with the Ecumenical Church of Christ, was produced by Ricky Insunza and Marty Arredondo of Nightwork Audio, Springtown, Texas.